Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. And I would say how many of you have enjoyed the book of Malachi, but I know y'all would like clap and you would be lying. This has been tough. Well, today doesn't get much better. Have you ever gone to ask someone to do something for you? Have you ever asked someone to do a favor? Parents, you've probably thought about that when you think, when you ask your kid to do something. All the time, you know, when we get in our old age, it's just like, oh, I gotta go back out to my truck and get that. Hey, that's what kids are for, right? Hey, Cooper, will you go out to my truck? And you know, it's always either, sure, daddy, or it's that, that eye roll or that, I call it kind of that exhale growl. <sighs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Or better yet, um, how many times have your spouses called you? You see, I heard some, mm, and they asked that, don't you love it? <laughs> I almost went fleshly. Hello? Hey, I need a favor. Don't you love I need a favor? Do you realize how much weight hinges off how you respond to I need a favor? You can either go, sure, honey, what you need? Or you can go, what? And then when we go with the what, what's the next thing out of their mouth? Never mind, I'll do it myself. <laughs> See, you all know there's like a script to this. Never mind, I'll do it myself. And then you always defend yourself and you always say, but I said I would do it. Then you know what's next. I don't want you to, to have to do it. I want you to do it because you, bleh. don't that just make you wanna throw up in your mouth? But you know, the reality is, yes, in our flesh, there are things that we don't wanna do for our spouses. And if we really get down to the matter or the truth of the issue, the reason that we don't wanna do it is because on the surface, there's nothing in it for us. What is me going to the grocery store? What, how is that gonna benefit me? So in our minds, that's how we're wired. We're only gonna do something for someone if we're getting something out of it. And what we're gonna see today is that is exactly where the children of Israel are. Malachi chapter three. I want you to go ahead and turn there and we're gonna look at verses 13 and 14 to begin with. And what you're gonna see is this mindset that we've just talked about in these cheesy examples that I gave is the very mindset of the children of Israel. Starting in verse 13 and 14, it says, your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? Remember, there's that sarcasm. Again, what now, God? 
What have we spoken against you now? Verse 14, you have said, listen how bold they are. You have said that it is vain to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his charge and that we have walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts? So we already see they're still in this sarcastic mindset. He've already told them, he said, you've already spoken arrogance against me. And they're saying, what have we done now, God? What do you mean we've been arrogant? What do you mean that we're, that we're not all in this thing? What do you mean that we're not giving? You know, it's always something. They're always sarcastic when God calls them out on something. So we see that even in this text, already three chapters into the book of Malachi, they're still oblivious to their disobedience. They're still oblivious to what they're doing in the life that they're living. But then all of a sudden we see kind of the example that we gave just a minute ago, that all through this book, we realize, and even all through the Old Testament, that God desires something from his children. God desires his children to give their best. So he's desiring that they give their best. He's asking that they give their best. And we know that that's not necessarily the case. So God has set the expectation that I want your best. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want the best you have. So the expectation has been set, but we know from the reading of these texts and all these books that they're not all in. They're not all in. And the reason that they're not all in is because they see what's going on all around them. Remember, they're, they're committed to follow God. They've committed to follow God and they know that in their journey of following him, it's been tough. There's been a lot of difficult seasons. You know, for most of us in this room, I would venture to say all of us in this room, if you've been following Christ for any amount of time, you have gone through some tough spots. There's been days that maybe you didn't wanna follow him. There's been days that you just wanted to throw in the towel and we're gonna look at some of that in just a minute. But we see that that's the case. They've committed to follow God, but we see they're not giving all they have. They're giving just enough to get by. And as a result of their disobedience, because they're not giving their best, they're giving some, they're giving their leftovers. And as a result of that disobedience, it's just like everything keeps falling apart. Everything keeps falling apart. And we see that their heart is, is what they've been focused on is, all of the what's. They have forgotten the why they're doing what they're supposed to be doing that they're really not even doing. They're so focused on the what that they have forgotten the why. But you know that, that God's just like what we've talked about, just like your spouse. I want you to wanna do it. God wants us to serve him, not because we have to, but God wants us to serve and live for him as a response to understanding what he's done for us and what he's given on our behalf. And so he wants us to live for him because we want to in response to what he's already done. But we know that that's not the case. They're doing just enough to get by. And the reason they're doing just enough to get by because they think if they do just this, then it'll make God happy. It'll make God happy if they do just enough to check the boxes. But you know, all the while, 
They're jumping through all the hoops of church. They're jumping through all of the hoops of checking the boxes of being the Christian that they're supposed to be. And their life is continuing to fall apart. But then they look at a pagan in a lost world and it says the lost continue to prosper. The wicked benefit. The wicked are the most prosperous ones. And so they're looking around. And so here they are jumping through all the hoops, thinking they're being the Christians that they're supposed to be. Life is tough for them. Then they look over here at the lost world and the lost world is living high. They're living life to the largest. They're doing all of these things. So it's almost as a child of God, they're saying, you know what? We're sacrificing this, we're doing this. They're living in the world. So what's the point in doing what we're doing? What is the point? They've got it a whole lot easier than we do. They're doing everything that their flesh desires. We're over here trying to find all, follow all these rules and to go to church every Sunday, go to Wednesday nights and oh my gosh. And it's just like life gets harder and harder and harder when I could just go live like them. And it just sees, it just appears that they've got it a whole lot easier than I do because the life that they're living is probably a lot more fun than what I'm having to deal with over here. And so they're at the point, they're like, now, what is the purpose? They're discouraged because in their mind, they're serving God and everything just continues to get tougher and tougher and tougher. They see the wicked continue to prosper. But the problem is, is they have slowly forgotten the why they're supposed to be serving God. They have slowly forgotten that they are in a place to be in response to the deliverance that God has already given them by setting them free from the bondage of Egypt. They're supposed to be serving God because of what God has already done, not to please God, but they're supposed to be serving God because they are his. They're a child of God. They've been chosen by him. And so what they're allowing is all of these temporal circumstances to cause them to forget the eternal promises that God has given them. And I think we can all say we've been there. How many of you have walked through life and everything keeps falling apart and it is so easy to get caught up in our circumstances and our situations that we forget all about the promise that's coming. All of us have lived that way. Some of us have probably lived that way this week. Some of us have probably experienced that this morning. And maybe you even got up this morning and you thought, you know what? What's the point in going to church? Life ain't getting any easier. Matter of fact, every time I go and I, I think I'm following God, it gets tougher. Welcome to being a follower of Christ. It is what it is. It's not, it's not a cakewalk. It's a battle because this is not our home. We don't belong here. We are in enemy territory. And so we don't belong here. So it's not gonna be easy. But you know what? It'd be a whole lot easier if we just didn't care, wouldn't it? It'd be a whole lot easier if we just didn't care and we could live like the pagans. And that's exactly what the children of Israel are saying. It would just be easier if we didn't care. And we see that in verse 15, they kind of share that they're upset with God. Read what verse 15 says. It says, so now we call the arrogant blessed. Not only are they doers of wickedness being built up, but they also test God and they escape. So the children of Israel are going, 
The pagans are the blessed ones. And God, look, they're testing you and you're not doing anything about it. So God, it would just be easier if I lived that way and you're not even gonna discipline them. You're not gonna punish them. Everything is just gonna continue to be simpler for them. And so we see that they're upset. They're frustrated with God. God, they're testing you, but yet you do nothing. You're not doing anything. But you see where we have to make sure that we're understanding what Malachi is addressing here. There's a big big difference in the two groups of people that are being talked about. You've got a child of God, you've got the children of Israel, and you've got the pagans, the lost world, the ones who don't know God. And so what I want you to hear this morning, and here's where it's gonna get very tough. God is not going to discipline those who are not his. God will not discipline those who are not his. We can look at everything that's going on in the children of Israel. God's their father. They're living in chaos. Their life has fallen apart. They're having to face the consequences for their disobedience. But what they're doing is they are blaming God for their own disobedience. They're blaming God for the consequences that they are experiencing as a result of their disobedience. And so, yeah, here's the age old question. Does God allow these things to happen? Absolutely, God allows chaos. Matter of fact, you wanna take it a step further? There's times that God will cause the chaos. But you know why? It's to wake his children up. It's to open our eyes up as a child of God to convict us of our sin, to convict us of our wrongs. And so God is going to use the same method that every parent in this room uses to discipline a child. You know, I think back as a kid, y'all have heard me talk about the two inch black belt that my dad had. I'd hear that sucker coming down the hallway, popping. Y'all all know. And right now you're going, oh yeah, I remember that one. But I can remember that that was a result of my disobedience. It wasn't because my dad didn't like me. It wasn't because my dad hated me, but my dad loved me enough that he would spank me, that he would whip me. So therefore I would not walk back in the same disobedience that I had done before. But you know how it always works. Just because you're tempted with something one time and you fall into it and it's over, guess what's probably gonna happen? You're gonna be tempted with the same thing again. You're gonna have the opportunity to be disobedient again. And so, so many times in my life as a child, there would be, you know, kind of that little angel on your shoulder on this side, the little devil on this side. We've all seen the cartoons. Boy, my flesh, I wanted to listen to the devil. I wanted, this is so much more fun. This is just rebellion. Because you all know that we're wired to rebel, right? Every one of us. No matter how super spiritual you are, we're all wired to rebel. But I remember even as a child, I would face the same temptation that I'd already been punished for, that my dad had already given me a spanking for. And what I realize now as an adult, you know what a lot of times kept me from stepping right back into the same temptation that I had done before? Was remembering the consequences of what was caused. Remembering the spanking 
remembering the consequences that was put in place as a result of my disobedience. So what I realized is it's not necessarily that my dad's discipline kept me from sinning, but I realize now that my dad's love kept me from sinning. Because you realize that when our parents punished, when my dad would spank me, it was because he loved me. It's because he wanted me to walk the right path. You gotta understand that our heavenly father is the same way. Our heavenly father is the same way. He wants us to walk the path of righteousness. But you know, when I would think back on those spankings, I look back now and I realize that was what we would call conviction. So when when the Holy Spirit of God convicts us, when he reminds us of the consequences that are laying in front of us, potentially, if we step into sin, if we step into disobedience, the fact that we know what the consequences could be, God wants to use that as conviction. God wants to open his child's eyes up to say, hey, 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 listen, that's leading to destruction. You're gonna lose your family. You're gonna lose your kids. And so you're weighing out all of these consequences, but praise be unto God, that conviction is what leads us to repentance. And what we have to understand, conviction is great. We ought to be so thankful for conviction. But as a child of God, if we don't act on that conviction, then that's all it is. The Holy Spirit's done his part, but are you gonna walk in obedience when we feel the sense of conviction and step into repentance, which means we're stepping away from following our flesh and we're submitting to who the Lord is and we're submitting to what the Father has for us. And I realize that now that I used to get spanked as a little boy because my daddy loved me to keep me from doing the same thing over and over. You see, that's the thing that we've got to change our mindset about God. That's what the children of Israel have got to do. They got to understand my life is falling apart. Number one, it's because of my disobedience. But also my father is trying to open my eyes. He's trying to allow me to see that these consequences are a direct result of my disobedience. And all my father wants is me to be obedient. My father wants me to walk in obedience. I want you to flip to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and I want us to read verses five through 11. He said, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons for what son there whom is the father does not discipline. But if you are without discipline of which all have become partakers when you are illegitimate children and not sons. Verse nine, furthermore, We have had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, seemed best to them, but he, talking about our heavenly father, 
He disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. Do you understand the weight of what that verse just says? He disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. He's disciplined because he wants us to have what is his. We should welcome the discipline because he loves us and it's so that we will share in his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. I'm surprised everybody didn't shout amen on that one. We can all agree that it is not joyful. It does not seem joyful to be disciplined, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. You know what? There's really no reason to even expand on what that text says. That is about as simple of a message that you could hear from a heavenly father or from a father who loves you. He gives you the whole reason behind the why things happen. It's because he loves us. He wants us to share in his holiness. You know, I can look back on my life and I think about sins that I have stepped into. And I can think about consequences that I have paid as a result of those. And now as a a 44 year old man, I can look and I'm thankful now for those consequences because those very consequences that I caused as a result of my disobedience that my heavenly father allowed to happen, those very same consequences are some of the very same consequences that keep me from walking right back to the sin that wants to destroy me. And look, I can tell, boy, y'all are going, oh, this is kind of in your face. This is kind of like, cause boy, we love to celebrate the grace of God We love to celebrate the freedom in Christ and all those things are great, but we've gotta get back to where we can be thankful for the discipline of a loving father, that he loves us enough that he just doesn't let us walk in sin, that he loves us enough that he wants to steer us back to holiness. But once we've stopped thinking about this as God's wrath and recognizing it as God's love, we become that much more thankful for a father who loves us. Now I get it. This is not a very popular message. This is not one of those messages that you're just gonna sign up. Mm, Yeah, I wanna sign up and listen to that one because we don't like discipline because we saw there what we just read. At the time, it's not joyful. At the time, it hurts. We're very tempted to get angry with God because can God control all of it? Absolutely he can. Can he make it go away? Absolutely he can. But we've gotta be thankful that he doesn't. That he allows us to walk through these things because he's opening our eyes to turn them back to him. So we see that already in in verses, I guess it's 13 through 15, Malachi is talking directly to this group of grumblers. God, what's the point? What's the point? Because... These wicked people, they're being prospered. We've got it rough over here and we're trying to do all the right things. So God, what's the point? I'm just ready to give up. I'm ready to quit serving. I'm I'm ready to stop doing this. But the problem is, is they're just angry with God because he's not blessing their disobedience. 
as we've been saying for the last three weeks, God will not bless our disobedience. But the bottom line is, is they have forgotten already what God has done. They have forgotten already what God has already done for them. So we see he's addressing the grumblers. He's addressing the complainers. He's addressing these, these pouters, if you would. And now in verse 16, he kind of changes gears. He changes gears in verse 16. And here's another very difficult topic to talk about. Verse 16 and 17. Then those, it means you've got one group over here. Here's the grumblers. But then all of a sudden, then there's these. Then there's those who feared the Lord, spoke to one another, and the Lord gave attention and he heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my own possession and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So we've got a group on this side that complains. And what we read in the text there is we've got a group over here who fears. A lot of the commentators, you realize that you've got the complainers and the ones who feared God. They were all still part of the children of God. They were all still part of God's family. However, they were divided. But many scholars believe that this group that feared God was a very small remnant of the remnant. They didn't believe that there was a lot that feared the Lord, that there were very few that feared the Lord. But what we have to understand, and we've gotta be so careful, how ironic that we're talking about fear on Halloween. Because the reality is, is I think when we hear that word fear, we kind of put it with, that's how we're supposed to respond to God. That we're supposed to run, we're supposed to hide, we're supposed to scream, we're not supposed to look for him, we're supposed to be in, living just absolutely scared out of our minds. What we have to recognize is that's not what biblical fear is all about. Biblical fear is not being scared. Biblical fear is having a reverence and an awe of knowing who's in charge. You realize that if you're a blood-bought believer of Jesus Christ in this room, you have declared Jesus Christ your savior, but you've also declared Jesus Christ the Lord. And when we declare Jesus Christ as Lord of our life, we are saying, Lord, you are in charge. I am submitting to your Lordship. I am submitting to your authority. Here's the keys to my life. God, you drive me where you want to. And so when we submit to the authority of that, we're falling under his Lordship. We love to fall under the blood because of our salvation, but our flesh doesn't like to fall under the Lordship of who's in charge. But when we trust him for our salvation, we're also submitting to the lordship of who he is. We're submitting to that authority. But the beauty of that is look at what Proverbs 1, 7, you don't have to turn there, it'll be on the screen and I'll just read it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Then we go to Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, kind of the same thing. Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, 
which I am commanding you today for your good. And then we look at verse 20 and 21. It says the same thing. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him, cling to him, and you shall swear by his name. He is your praise. He is your God who has done these great and awesome things for you, which your eyes have seen. It's healthy to fear the Lord. It is healthy to stand in awe and reverence of Jesus Christ, the Lord of your life. I remember y'all have heard stories of, of how I love to play sports. I didn't care what kind of sport it was, sign me up. But I remember all through high school and even in college, having those coaches that I would absolutely run through a wall for because I revered them. I was in awe of them. I wanted them to know that I was willing to do whatever it took to get the job done. But you better believe when I messed up, guess what? I had to run till I threw up. I remember one, one night we were playing Elbert County in basketball. I came off the floor. I was playing terrible. My coach loved me. My coach wanted what's best for me. But I remember I was so angry. In front of a packed gym, I walked over and I kicked my chair. It went three rows up into the bleachers. Guess what I did for the next week? I ran and I ran and I ran and I ran as a result of my disobedience. But you know what I realized? My coach punished me because he loved me. He disciplined me because he knew that was not my best. And as a result, my respect continued to grow for that coach. I was able to go back to North Hall Friday night to a football game, saw that coach, wrapped up in the arms of that coach, still respect that coach because I know he loved me, but I know he loved me because he disciplined me. And you better believe even to this day, no affiliation with him, I would still run through a wall for him. Would still run through a wall for him because I know that he loves me and he wants what's best for me. You realize that's our heavenly father. He wants what's best for you. And what's best for you, it's what's living inside of you and it's him. It's him. Our flesh clouds that. But when we die to that flesh, he is able to continue to drive us in the direction that he wants because it's for our best, because it's for his best. And so we know that it's very healthy. We may not know that. And maybe that's what we need to pray this morning. Is God, let me stand in fear of you. Let me be in awe of you. Let me be in reverence to you because God, you are the Lord of my life and I know that is giving you full control. That is giving you full control. Biblical fear is being in reverence and standing in awe. It's not being scared. But then we read on. And when I read this, it was just kind of, I skimmed over it because it's just so, seems to be so out of place because it's kind of so just matter of fact. It says that theirs were those who feared the Lord. They spoke to one another. 
I just kind of found that odd. So I started digging. Well, they spoke to one another. What in the world does it mean they spoke to one another? Even the scholars would say that there's not a lot of information around that statement spoke to one another. And so the more I studied, the more I read, the more I realized that what they were talking about was not what was of importance. The fact that the children of God were speaking together is what was important. And so what we read there is the fact that they are speaking together, that they're speaking to one another, that God delights when his children are together. That God delights, not only that we fear him, but you realize that God delights when we are in his house with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Scholars do believe that some of their conversation was probably about all that Malachi was talking about. But more importantly, they also know that they believe that that the believers were gathering together to talk about things, to hold each other accountable. To hold each other accountable. And so we know that when the children of God are together, that this is what pleases the Lord. That is what is of importance, not necessarily what they're talking about, but he wants the children of God to be together. We know as moms and dad, there's nothing we love more than seeing our children get along. We love seeing our children in fellowship with one another. It makes a mom and dad's hearts happy when we see our kids cutting up. I've got a picture of Brock and Andy, and if you know them, sometimes they're like oil and water. But I've got a picture of them out there in the West Lobby where they are holding on to each other and just glowing with laughter. I can look in that as a father. I can see that and it brings joy to my heart because my children are loving one another. And that's exactly what he's talking about here, that there's those who fear the Lord and they spoke to one another. I want you to flip to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and it addresses, you remember in Malachi chapter three, verse six, it says that God, he doesn't change. Here's another passage that backs that up. Verse 24 and 25. Here's our responsibility when we speak to one another, when we're in fellowship with one another as believers, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds. Verse 25, not forsaking our own assembling together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. God has called his children to be together. We look back in 2020. We know that if God has called the children to be together, what is the enemy's plan? To keep the children apart. We can look back at 2020. We can look at back at the chaos that we lived in. You realize that the number one goal of the enemy was to simply have the children of God not speak to one another. It's that simple. He has a plan to keep the children from speaking to one another. And so what I want you to hear is, is that when the children of God speak to one another, did you see what it said God did? It said that it gave attention to it and he heard them. He gave attention to it. And so I read, okay, what is gave attention? And it literally is talking about an animal in the woods turning their ears to a noise they hear. So I'm a deer hunter. So I'm thinking about all the times that that deer hears me do something. All of a sudden those ears go towards me. 
And it says all of a sudden when those ears go towards, he listens. So do you realize this morning, do you talk about something humbling? We as his children are gathered together this morning in God's house. And so according to the scripture, guess what God, our heavenly father is doing right now? He is giving attention to it. He is turning his ears towards us this morning and he is listening to what we're talking about. He's listening to what we're singing about. He's listening to what we're doing. And church, I don't know about you, but that is overwhelming that my heavenly father loves me enough that this morning with all the chaos in the world, that he's gonna turn his ears to us in his house this morning. Church, that's something that we should never get over. But what is so heartbreaking In Hebrews chapter 10, we just read it. Don't forsake the assembling together as is a habit to some. You know, I know in 2020, it was chaotic. I know that everything, nobody knew up from down. We didn't know left from right. We didn't know who to believe, who to listen to. We still don't. But according to the scripture, our heavenly father says, don't stop assembling yourself together. Don't stop gathering together. And I am so thankful for people to be transparent because I challenge our staff. I said, look, if there's somebody in your mind that that you recognize who's not come back to the fellowship, who's not in God's house, let them know you love them. Let them know you care about them. I reached out to a man two weeks ago and I just sent him a message and I said, hey brother, hadn't seen you. Just want you to know that I love you. And his response was this, thank you so much for reaching out. He said, but in the last year, I've just gotten lazy. I've just gotten lazy. You know what? And I'm thankful that a brother could say that. I'm thankful that a brother didn't try to make up excuses. That he just said, basically, I have developed some bad habits in 2020. But you know what, church, it's time that we get over these habits and we get back into fellowship with God's people because when we're together, he turns his ears towards us and he listens because it pleases the father when his children are together. It pleases the father when we hold each other accountable. And it pleases him so much, it said that he writes it down in this book of remembrance. Now that's not as if God's up there with some holy pen writing, oh, I see what they're talking about. Now, that's a whole nother message in and of itself. But you know, they, they, the, the children of Israel could relate to that because the kings of Persia, what they would do is when the servants would serve them, they would take note of what the, the servants were doing. And the reason that they would take note of what the servants were doing is because they would reward them for their, their services rendered. And so God is reminding, he's writing this down. He's, he's writing this in this book of remembrance because he just wants to know that he's taking note of what the children are doing. He's taking note of what the children are talking about. Now here's a whole nother message in and of itself and I'm not gonna spend time here. I'll just let this fall where it wants to. If all it takes is two children of God to have a conversation, that he turns his ears towards us and he listens, According to this text, he was pleased. 
You as a child of God, me as a child of God, have we been a part of conversation with other children of God that if God turns his attention, which is what it says he does, and he listens, would it please him? Or do we as brothers and sisters in Christ talk to other brothers and sisters in Christ about other brothers and sisters in Christ? Because the reality is I can promise you there's nothing that breaks a parent's heart more than I hear my kids call each other names. When I hear my kids being mean to one another, when I hear my kids dismantling one another, And so I can tell you right now, as a child of God, when you have a conversation with another child of God, ask yourself the question, what I'm about to say, is it about to please God? And what I'm about to say, is it about to please God or is it going to sow seeds of destruction? Is it going to plant seeds of division? Is it going to plant seeds of assumptions? But the truth of the matter is, is when two children of God speak, he gives attention to it and he listens. So this morning, we've read this text. We've closed out chapter three again. Here he's gonna hit us, hit us right up with the judgment again. Verse 18, so you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. So we see two people groups there. There's either a group who lives for the Lord or there's one who doesn't. But then what we find is there's who on the surface live for God, but they're just giving God what's left over. So in this room this morning, I know without a doubt, there's three groups of people in here. There's three groups of people that are in this room right now. Number one is there's a group of people in here that don't have a relationship with God. You're living in the flesh, you're living in sin. You really don't care about the things of God. You're here this morning because you're trying to make somebody else happy. You may be trying to get a date, I don't know. If we went around the room, there's probably a lot of guys that your first date was at your girlfriend's church, right? So I don't know why you're here. You may sit here and go, I don't even even believe in God. I don't even know why I'm here. Let this message encourage you that you're here because God wants you to know he loves you, that he's not giving up on you, even in your disobedience, even in your rejection of him. You're here this morning because he wants you to hear the message of salvation. But maybe you're here this morning and you're a follower of Christ or you've trusted in him for salvation, but you're just discouraged. You're jumping through all the hoops. You may teach a small group, you may serve in students, you may serve in kids. And you may be worn out. You may just be so frustrated because it appears that right now, there's nothing in this for me. Nobody even knows what I do. Nobody's patting me on the back and telling me good job. 
We've got to get back to understanding who we serve. You serve the one who called you. You serve the one who called you. Because there's coming a day because you are a child of God. You may never get patted on the back. You may never get the attaboy fist bump, but there's coming a day because of your faithfulness, you're gonna hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you're gonna care less of what anybody on this earth has ever said about you. Because those words, well done, seals your eternity. You're already sealed in Christ, but that lets you know, even in my mess, God's honoring my faithfulness because I trusted in his son. But maybe right now you don't even fear the Lord. You're just like, ah, I'm just ready to give up. I'm ready to give up. Or maybe you're here this morning and you fear the Lord. You're in a healthy place. Maybe you look back on your life and you can see the consequences. You can see the discipline that you've paid as a result of your disobedience. Hey, use that as a warning. When you see other brothers and sisters in Christ who are dabbling in the same stuff you've done, share your consequence with them. Share what happened. Share the destruction that it led to. Allow that conviction to lead to someone else's repentance. But this morning, I don't know which one of those categories you fall in, but I can promise you that we all fall in one of them. I got up this morning. Y'all about to hear a transparent brother. I got up this morning thinking about what my next week holds. We're gonna have a baby next Saturday. And I'm sitting there in my mind going, okay, you know what? This week ought to be easy. But I woke up at 4.30 this morning and I thought, we gotta do two sermons this morning. We gotta do a funeral this afternoon. Then we gotta go share again at farm day. And I'm just being honest. I said, God, it'd be a whole lot easier if I didn't have to do this today. Because God, emotionally, I've got to go from mountaintops to valleys, back to mountaintops. And there's days that I go, God, it just ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. But in the stillness of his voice, he said, but it will be. Remember what I did. This is temporary. And as those old coaches said, then it's that daddy, buckle your chin strap boy and let's go to work. So I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you need your chin strap buckle. Maybe you don't know the Lord. Or maybe this morning you need to worship in fear and reverence and awe of who he is. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. 
Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.